Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Today we examine the human mind, particularly the roles that reason and conscience play in our day-to-day thoughts and actions. Dr. Jennings, in his book, Could It Be This Simple?, writes, quote, God designed reason and conscience to work in concert with one another for healthy discernment and discrimination, as well as for valid decision-making, end quote. This program is sponsored by Common Reason Ministries, and Dr. Jennings joins us today via Skype. Okay, reason and conscience working together. Got it. How does that work, Dr. Jennings? How do these two come together to give us a reason to get up and a conscience that allows us to operate with some kind of confidence? These are great questions. And and one of the things I want people to understand is the abilities that God has given us. God created us in his image and he gave us certain mental abilities or faculties. Mm -hmm. The highest of the faculties he's given us is the ability to reason, to weigh evidences, to think things through, to draw conclusions. The Bible says in Isaiah 118, come let us reason together, though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be white like snow. God, the creator of the universe, invites us to reason with him. I don't know if you have any pets, Charles, Oh yes. but your pets have the ability to love and be tender and compassionate, but you actually cannot reason with them. You cannot explain germ theory to your <laughs> dog. True. You cannot explain that you've just cleaned the carpet and how you would like the paws white before they come in and so forth. They can be trained, they can be conditioned to have certain responses, but they cannot engage in reason. They don't have that faculty or ability. But God gave us this ability, and it's the highest of faculties. And the Bible says that every person should be fully persuaded in their own mind, meaning that we should come to our own conclusions about things. We have to exercise this ability for it to grow. But as finite beings, God understood that this ability alone wasn't sufficient for us to actually make healthy decisions. Mm -hmm. So he gave another ability that is to work jointly, always united with our reason, and that is our conscience. And the conscience is a faculty that is sensitive to the movement of the Spirit of God. Examples of the conscience in Scripture, Elijah in the still small voice, or perhaps you've had that experience of hearing God speaking but not through your ears, or had a conviction of the Holy Spirit. Not just conviction of sin, but conviction of duty to take an action, to give a donation, to go visit somebody. This is an example of the conscience. And we get into trouble when our reason and conscience don't work in harmony and in a healthy way. When we have a mind working with reason but no conscience, this is people who would be your sociopaths, Mm. who are able to calculate, plot, and connive their way in, but they have no sense of right and wrong, and they and they exploit and take advantage of other people. If you have conscience working without reason, then you have people who will do terrible things in the name of God that are quite destructive, such as Jim Jones in Jonestown drinking the Kool-Aid, yeah. or people flying planes into buildings in the name of their God. They're yes, quite conscientious, yes, yes. but they actually are not reasonable if you actually bring to bear the principles of God in Scripture. That might seem reasonable to somebody if they have a different understanding of how God functions, but for those of us who understand God is revealed in Christ, that is an unreasonable act to do in the name of God. Mm. And so these two faculties together, conscience and reason, working jointly, form an ability called our judgment. 
our judgment. So if I say, Charles, in your judgment, what do you think we ought to do in this scenario? I'm asking you to weigh it out with your reasoning ability and with a clear and healthy conscience to the degree you have a damaged reasoning ability or you're not using it or a damaged, seared, hardened, heart warped conscience or you're not using it, then your judgment becomes impaired and you will make judgments that are out of harmony with how God would have us live and act. So you really need to have them working together. Like you say, this has to happen. How do we make that happen, Dr. Jennings? We have to actually keep our minds healthy through living out God's principles in our life. Now, what is it that directly impacts our reason and conscience? Our reason and conscience are impacted by the choices we make, but particularly in what God we worship. Mm. We become changed, and this is one of the design laws of God called the law of worship. By beholding, we become changed. Worship a God of love, a God of, of truth, that values love and truth, and we interact and converse with him, we reason with him, as the Bible says, then our capacity for reasoning and understanding grows and improves, and we become more patient, more kind, more loving, and our consciences remain clear. Worship a God that's authoritarian, a dictator God, a punishing God, then we become more like that God, and we will be actually harsh with people. We will be punishing with people, yet the Holy Spirit will try to convict us because we're worshiping a God that is not true. We will take actions that are contrary to God, and as we get that conviction, we will either search for a better way and repent, and which time our consciences will be cleansed, or if we have a perverse religious system, we will double down that this is religious, and we will sear our conscience, and our consciences will become even harder, and we will become less sensitive and less compassionate and less kind, and we will do acts of violence in the name of God. As we watch a child grow up, Dr. Jennings, I think that we can agree that reason and conscience is not a pill you can give to someone or not something God can just pour into you and suddenly you have reason and conscience. Apparently, both of these need an environment for growth, an environment for proper growth so that they can create judgment later that works well. Is that how it works? Yes, by beholding, you become changed. So as parents raise children to believe in God, the type of God they teach their child and the way they model how they live their life in harmony with God both help the child develop those faculties. Additionally, there's another law called the law of exertion. If you want something to get stronger, you must exercise it, because if you don't use it, you lose it. Lose it. That's not just physical abilities. Strong math ability, you've got to work problems. Strong musical skill, you've got to practice an instrument. Strong reasoning abilities, you actually have to be put in positions where you critically reason and problem solve. You have to have problems presented to you. Age appropriate, of course, obviously, but then parents who teach their children and give the reasons why, not the rules. Well, the rule says, and the Bible said it, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Why do we do this? Well, because the Bible said it. These are just rules. Mm -hmm. But why does the Bible say it? Reasoning it out, teaching the child the reasons behind things allows them to exercise those faculties and those faculties go stronger. And thus it says in Hebrews 5.14, the mature are those who've developed by practice the ability to discern the right from the wrong. Think about it like learning math. Mm -hmm. Math is a series of problems. Mm -hmm. You do have an instructor who teaches you the rules or the laws of math, and then you take those laws of math and you apply them to various 
problems seeking solutions. And as a student of math, you will get some right and you will get some wrong. When you get some wrong, you go back with the instructor and you review and you examine under the math rules or laws and you discover where the error was made and you update your thinking process and your problem solving and you apply the new understanding to the next problem that comes along and you reduce and reduce and reduce the error rate and you get more and more efficient at problem solving and making good math problem decisions. Well, life is a series of problems to be solved as we learn God's design laws for life, like the law of worship and the law of exertion and many others, and we face various life problems, there are two general approaches in the religious world. One is what I'm teaching you here, how to apply God's living laws, design laws to life problems. And as you find that it doesn't work out, you go back and review where was an error made? How do I update? How do I improve? So that you become ever more efficient in maturing the mature developed by practice, the ability to discern right from problem solve life. Or some people have this conscientiousness. I want to be a really good student. I want to always do what's right. And so they ask the math teacher for the answer key and they memorize the answer key to the 20 (laughs) questions. And then when the test comes, they give all the right answers, but they have no clue to do math. And this is many Christians. They go to the priest or the pastor and they ask for the answer key and they memorize the creed or the 28 fundamental beliefs or whichever your church has. And they memorize them all, but they have no idea why those are the right answers. So they still can't problem solve in life. And so God has given us reason and conscience for us to exercise those faculties to grow our abilities and mature to the full stature of sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. And God is aware of this process, Dr. Jennings, right? Because a lot of people think, oh, I made a mistake. God can't love me. Oh, I did this thing or I did that thing. God's abandoned me. He doesn't want me. But you're saying that God actually understands that there's a process going on here and you are growing in Christ. Am I right in saying that? Yes. And what you just did is you threw out this idea that many fall into when you use the word mistake. Yeah. Yes, we all make mistakes. When you're an honest student of math and you're studying hard and doing your best and you get some problems wrong, you've made mistakes in the math exam or the math practice quiz. Have you done evil? You see, many people fail to realize that practicing your God-given thinking and discernment skills to weigh out issues and make the best decision you can to honor God with your life, to make the wisest choice with the information you have, doing your due diligence, and sometimes it doesn't work out. It's a, it turns out, in fact, to be a bad choice with good motives and good intentions, yeah. with finite abilities, but it turns out to be a bad choice, that there is no evil. This is not sin. See, people have to understand there's a difference between making mistakes and choosing evil. Mm. They're not the same. Mm. And what happens is in a behavior-oriented society where we are conditioned that it's all about the deed, it's about the act, therefore people feel guilty if their act is bad. But for God, it's not about the act. For God, the act isn't the primary thing. It's the motive of the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. The Lord looks on the heart. So example, you have two children, a three-year-old, and you're out weeding in your your garden, and your three-year-old comes up behind you, sees you weeding, and pulls up a tomato plant with a big smile and says, help, daddy. (laughs) Okay? 
Now, is this a disobedient child or an obedient child? Are you angry at this child or do you love this child? Because his heart wants to help daddy, but he's immature and he can't tell the difference between a weed and a tomato plant. So he pulls up a tomato plant in his attempt to help you. You see my point here? Absolutely. absolutely. Now you have a 14-year-old child who you send out to weed and he only pulls weeds. He doesn't pull tomato plants, but he curses you the entire time because he wants to be out playing with his friends. Now, which is the truly obedient child? Man looks on the outward appearance, and they would say that the 14-year-old is the one. But God looks on the heart, and he would say the three-year-old who pulled up the banana plant, he's a child after my own heart. Okay, David, who committed adultery and and murdered, he was struggling with sin in his life. He made some terrible choices and and actually did evil to Uriah and Bathsheba. But in his heart, this was the weakness of sin he didn't see, and he was overcome by it, and he was sickened in his heart when he he was really faced with what he had done, and he didn't want to be that way anymore, and so he was a man after God's own heart. Well, you have just given us some very good news here, Dr. Jennings. You are telling us that God sees the, the motives behind us, our heart. We, he knows what we know. He knows our limitations, and he is able, like we are the three-year-old, even though we're pulling up the tomato plants, he knows that we're doing what we think we should be doing. That's good news for all of us, isn't it? That is good news. And so the bottom line, our reason and conscience are abilities that will be strengthened with exercise or damaged if we take and use those out of harmony with God's plans and principles. Listener, we've been uh, talking about some of the topics that are included in Dr. Jennings' book, Could It Be This Simple? And have you ever wished that Dr. Jennings would come to your house and sit down by the fire there and read his book to you? Well, other than that last part, you can do this. Dr. Jennings will be very happy to come into your earbuds or on your stereo and read to you because you can go to the website comeandreason.com and you can join Come and Reason, which is absolutely free. And you can download and listen to an audio book, an audio version of this book, Could It Be This Simple? And that download is absolutely free, too. That's at comeandreason.com. This program was sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Together.